Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay. And we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you today. Man, you're at church on Memorial Day weekend. You're amazing. Give yourselves a hand. Good job. I don't know about you, but um, I made a lot of assumptions in my life, and some of them are not accurate assumptions. Like, I can remember way back in college watching the Dallas Cowboy football team playing in the Super Bowl and, and thinking after that game in the mid-'90s, they'll be back. Bad assumption. Not true 30 years later. I'm just saying, I've made some assumptions. You know what I mean? I remember before I got married, Lori and I were dating, and I remember thinking, once we get married, it will be less stressful. Bad assumption, right? Not necessarily true. Um, I can remember uh, thinking, man, if I could just go on a vacation, when my kids were little, if I could just go on a vacation, then I could relax. <laughs> and then you realize that vacations, as you get in a certain age, man, you need a vacation from your vacation. You know what? Anybody get back from vacation and you're like, man, I'm so exhausted. I don't go back to work. Before we moved to the desert, I made an assumption. People say, it's hot. It's hot in the desert. It's hot. And I would say, yeah, but it's a, it's a dry heat. That's a lie. I mean, it's a dry heat, but so is a blowtorch, right? It's a dry heat, but so is an oven. Like, like July and August are hot. I don't care who you are. Better than uh, humid, though. I will, I, I will say that. I've made a lot of assumptions. And sometimes I make assumptions about stress in my life. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about stress, last week, this week. And um, when it comes to stress in my life, sometimes I assume that these are just things happening to me. And I don't know why they're happening, but God's sort of not necessarily connected to what I'm going through in these stressful things. These are just problems I need to get out of my life. And I don't realize that these are actually problems that God can use to transform my life. I make assumptions. Sometimes I make the wrong assumptions. And what you assume will have everything to do with how your stress either gets maximized or gets minimized. So last week we talked about stress relief and we talked about boundaries and uh, the Sabbath principle, taking a day off, doing some external things in our lives to help us deal with stress. Today I wanna talk about some internal things, some assumptions that we make and how those assumptions actually have a profound impact on how we deal with stress. See, stress isn't just something that happens to me, it's also something that's going on in, in, within me in how I respond and view those certain situations. Do I see God moving in my situation? Do I believe God is working even when I don't feel it? Do I believe God is involved even when I look around and man, I can't necessarily see it? Because if you do, it changes your internal disposition. It changes your assumptions about the stress you're under in your life, right? Now, one person in the Bible who has a lot of authority to speak to this is the Apostle Paul. We talked about him last week. The Apostle Paul wrote, um, you know, the majority of the New Testament uh, as far as a single author. Um, 
he traveled all over the world, was a, a, a brilliant intellectual, a devout person of faith. For his faith, he had been beaten, shipwrecked, thrown out of town, out of a town by an angry mob. He had been, he had spent time in jail, chained to uh, another individual. He had been through all kinds of legal challenges by religious people who were trying to undermine him. He had been threatened. He had been persecuted. He had been, look, this dude knew stress. In fact, N.T. Wright is one of the world experts on the Apostle Paul. And he believes that between the letters of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians in our Bible, when Paul was in uh, Asia Minor doing missions work, that he had some kind of a nervous breakdown. We talked about this a little bit last week. It all just became too much. He says it was more than he had the ability to endure and he thought he would die. It just became too much. Here's what's fascinating. Many scholars would say after the letter of 2 Corinthians that we looked at some last week, Paul, maybe even with the Corinthians from Corinth, wrote another letter to the believers in the city of Rome. In our New Testament, it's called the Book of Romans. So this letter also reflects what he would have learned from his breakdown, if you will, what he would have learned from the stress that he had to endure in his life. What I think is fascinating is that Romans chapter 5 tells us that Paul had learned to see his stress and problems from a different vantage point. He had different assumptions. Check it out. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. Here's what he says. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop what? Endurance. They help us develop endurance. I don't know about you, I'd like to have endurance. I don't really want to develop endurance. Anybody feel me here? Like, like I want to have endurance. I want to go to the gym and just be able to rock out, you know, whatever activity I want to rock out. But it's developing the endurance. That's the problem, you know. Like, it's the breakdown of the muscles and all the things. That's the challenge, right? But Paul says, here's what I've learned. I've learned through stress that literally I can rejoice and all these things happening in my life, challenges, problems, difficulties, because I know that God is not just working in the world. Listen, God is working in me. And God is going to use these things in ways I can't even understand to build me up. Now, that is a perspective shift. Do you agree? That's a different way of seeing the drama in your life. Because you realize, like, the drama is always going to be there. But God can actually use the drama to help shape me if I will allow him. <clears throat> God can turn our trials into our transformation. So I want to look with you today at three simple internal assumptions that can maybe help us get some stress relief. It doesn't make stress go away, but help us have some relief in how we frame it up in our minds. The first is this. God is moving in my mess. God is moving in my mess. Life's messy, right? It, 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 it's just like every about once a year, Lori and I will go through this big thing, kind of a spring cleaning thing, and we're like, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of stuff we don't use. I remember one year she had watched the Marie Kondo Marie Kondo show, like like you know the um, the lady that's all about cleaning your house and all this stuff and getting rid of anything that doesn't have a spark of joy, right? You're supposed to get rid of that, which would be a lot, right? 
And I remember Lori, like she went through our, her, her whole side of the dresser and she like organized everything like Marie Kondo suggests where you like roll your shirts up like in a, like a cylinder, you know, and you, you place them in one after the other. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was all the little soldiers were lined up. You could pull the drawer out and you're like, oh, wow, these are like your shirts? Dang, you know, my drawer was something else. But, but man, it was amazing. Now, the challenge is, no matter how organized you get, you feel me on this? Over time, life gets messy. And you don't always have time to roll the little shirts up like you got two months to just do your laundry. You know, and eventually, you just start laying shirts on top of the rolled up shirts, you know? And then you start just pushing them in, and then eventually, you can't get the drawer closed anymore because you've gone through there, pulled things out, didn't get it all organized. And you know what I'm talking about. You have to, like, do the side hip thing to get the drawer shut. And when it can't shut anymore, you start stacking the laundry on top of the dresser. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, right? And now, some of you, I'm in your, I'm in your, I'm in your bedroom right now. It's, like, all stacked up. You got it on the floor. You got, listen, I... No lie, we have a chair in Lori and I's bedroom. I went through this chair two weeks ago. Laundry, junk, stuff, all stacked up. Clean laundry, you know, like we were gonna put it away, right? All just sort of on this chair until there was nowhere left. I, I went through the whole thing. Took me two hours. I got through all the stuff. And do you, I'm telling you, when I got down to the bottom of what was sitting on that chair, it was an item. I knew it because Lori had been to a conference in January. <laughs> Y'all, it's summer. <laughs> Welcome to our life. Life is messy. We try to fight the mess. We try to push back on the mess. We try to organize the mess, right? But it's messy, and the mess creeps in. And we talked about this last week. Stress is not something you're going to eliminate in your life this side of heaven. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You're gonna have stress. I'm gonna have stress. In fact, it's never gonna go away. Aren't you glad you came to church? In fact, in some ways, as you get older, it's gonna get worse. And then you die. Okay, great. But stress is part of the deal. It's part of life. We talked last week about how, but stress in and of itself is actually a gift. Without stress, we do just kind of wither up. Without stretching ourselves and growing and pushing ourselves, stress can force us to do that. And stress can be a gift in our spiritual lives as well. Problems have a way of releasing God's power in our lives. So here's what Paul says. Here's what he's learned through all of this. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 4. He says, endurance develops character, develops strength of character. And character strengthens our competent hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to what? To disappointment. So he says, there's a, there's a process that happens here. Now, I think a lot of times when it comes to our problems, let's bring this next slide up. Our process kind of looks sort of like this. We start with our problems, and then we move to complaining about our problems. Anybody with me here? Like, I can't believe this is happening to me. God, where are you? Why am I going through this? 
You know, other people should be, I, I don't, why, I'm going to church, I'm doing the right things, I love you, I pray, why am I going through, why am I in this problem, right? Why am I in this situation? And then that starts to lead to disappointment, we get frustrated, and sometimes we can never get, we can even get hopeless, right? Where we just think things are never going to change, I'm always going to be in this situation, it's never going to be different. That is one mindset. But let me tell you, if that's your mindset, if those are your assumptions, that's going to be very stressful. Paul says there's another way of looking at the same problem, and it looks like this. Your problems are not separate from God's work in your life, and God can use those problems to build endurance in your life, to make you stronger, and then that can result in better character and integrity in your life, and that ultimately can result in a greater sense of hope. You know God was with you in the past and you believe God will be with you in the future. You know God worked yesterday and you believe he will work tomorrow. You saw him rescue you before and so you trust he's gonna rescue you again. You've been through the ringer before. It's not your first rodeo. And so you're like, God's got this because I've been through this before. I got endurance I got character, I got hope that God will move and work in this situation. And so our assumption has a lot to do with it. And Paul's learned to say, hey, God is moving in the mess. Romans 8, 28 says this, that God is work, that, that literally God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That word work is a word that was used of artisans who would weave baskets together. So the idea is this, God can weave everything in my life for good. He can weave things that happen to me that are bad. He can weave evil that's done to me. He can weave all this stuff in my life for good, and I believe he will because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. So God is moving in the mess. That mindset can help us process the stress that we face in our life. Here's another assumption that we can make, another mindset. God is not distant when I'm discouraged. God is not distant when I'm discouraged. Have you noticed when you're discouraged, you start feeling like you're alone? Start feeling like, man, I don't know where God is in all of this. I don't know that he's moving. I don't know if he's working. I don't know what he's doing. Not even sure he cares, right? That's what happens when we're discouraged. But Paul says, in those moments when we're discouraged and we feel like God is distant, here's what we can remember. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 5, help me out by saying the red word when we get here. He says, for we know how dearly God, what? Loves us. We already know it. How do we know it? Look at what he says. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Where is God? Even when I'm discouraged, he's closer than your own breath. His spirit fills your heart. His spirit is with you and guides you and leads you. And so God's spirit is, his presence is in our lives, whether we feel it or not, whether we sense it or not, whether we're discouraged or not. He's already there. Psalm 42, chapter six, here's what the psalmist says. This is good, he says, now I am deeply what? Discouraged. Listen, you can love God and be a person of faith and pray and read your Bible and go to church and do all the things and be deeply discouraged. You can't. Some of you came to church because you woke up and you're deeply discouraged. Some of you almost turned around on the way because you were so deeply discouraged. 
right? Some of you, if you got kids, just getting them in the car, you're so discouraged by the time you're, you weren't even discouraged before, but just getting ready to come to church. You need God now to do a work in your life, right? Sometimes Sunday morning is the hardest time to get everybody hustled together and get it all going. But listen, even when we're discouraged, here's what he learned. I learned, he says, now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and though and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me faith. He's learned to realize that even when he's discouraged, that doesn't mean God is distant. God is present and moving and working. Now, psychologists will know that we don't often see situations in our life like they really are. We often see them through the lens of how we feel. I mean, think about it. Like, like if you feel tired, everything seems harder, right? If you feel angry, everything seems unfair. If you feel stressed, everything feels like it's too much. If you feel scared, things start to feel like they're too risky, and so we often see things in our life through the lens of how we feel. When I'm discouraged, I can often see things through a very negative lens. And kind of, I go down a negative road. In fact, one way to think about it would be this. Um, I'll bring it up on this uh, television screen over here. But, we, you know, there are, there are some people here today who when they face certain situations, especially when they're discouraged, they go to the worst case scenario. Okay, who, who are my worst case people out there? You know who you are. You don't have to raise your hand, but you know. So, so, yeah, that's me. Wow, you jumped right on that, man. You know what I mean? Like the worst case people, you know, like, like the simplest things could happen. Like your teenager goes to get pizza and you start to imagine, you know, car wrecks and, and sex trafficking, kidnapping, all kinds of things, uh, underage drinking. You know, like you go to the worst case scenario. They're just getting pizza, bro. It's the worst case scenario. And that's a temptation, I think, when we're discouraged. It is for me to go to the worst case scenario. There's another extreme, and that would be like the best case scenario, right? And, and there are people that just naturally live in the best case scenario. Where are my optimists at? Who are the optimists will always tell you, yeah, man. They're like Tigger, you know, like boing, 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 boing. You know, like everything's going to be awesome. It's good. It's great. And I love optimism. I love the best case scenario people. They're amazing. We need them in our lives. They actually need some worst case scenario people to keep them tethered to reality. So between the two, we pull each other back, right? You know, like we stay tethered to reality. But there's a middle area. And when I'm super discouraged and my feelings are taking over and I'm seeing everything through my discouragement, sometimes it's helpful for me to remember that I don't need to live in the worst case scenario. And I'm not trying to have some blind optimism in the best case scenario. There is another category here called the most case scenario. Come on. What will happen most of the time? Most of the time when your teenager goes to get pizza, they're going to come back. Most of the time they're not going to have a wreck. Most of the time they're not going to be kidnapped. Most of the time, right? Like, okay, let's get real. The, the Golden Knights right now. Okay. It was rough. It's rough right now. It's rough. Like, come on, man. Now let me just bring some encouragement to you. Only four times in NHL history has a team been down 3-0 and and come back and won. So it's kind of looking a little sketchy right now, but the most case scenario says we're going to win. We might not. I'm just saying the most case scenario says we are. Now, don't tell the Knights this because they need to live over here and play like they're going to die if they lose right? 
But we can have a lot of optimism that, that things are looking good. We got a couple more games. We'll get through it. When we're discouraged, God isn't distant. The Bible says his spirit is right there with us. Doesn't matter how you feel. Take him at his word. Trust his word. And then remind yourself in the scenarios you're facing of the most case scenario so that you're not just leaning over here because you're already discouraged. It helps me in my life. God isn't distant when I'm discouraged. Here's a third assumption, that God is working while I'm waiting. God is working while I'm waiting. You know, there's some things in life that we used to have to wait on that we don't have to wait on anymore. Some of you might recognize this little guy right here. This is a, a red Netflix envelope. And um, if you're of a certain age, you know what, what this is all about. So before you could just go to Netflix, kids, and watch a billion shows and stream them, you could look around and you could find the movie you wanted to watch, and then you could request it online using the internet, and they would mail you the DVD. You would get the DVD, you would watch the show, and then you would have to mail the DVD back. In fact, if you were really dialed in, you were on the three DVD plan where you'd have like, like one in process everywhere along the way, right? Going and coming and doing, doing the whole deal. Now, I know you tell people under 30 this today, and they're like, okay, Grandpa, you need to go to bed. <laughs> it did not happen that way. But I'm telling you, that's how it used to happen. These people are my witnesses. Some things used to take a lot longer, and now they're a lot quicker. Now you can just stream and enjoy it, and I'm thankful. But a lot of things in life, we spend a lot of time waiting, right? Sometimes it just feels like we're in a waiting period. Some of you are waiting on your career to open up. You're waiting on the job to open up. You're waiting on the salary to open up. Some of you are waiting for a dream, a house, or kid, or family. Some of you are waiting for the right guy to, you know, like walk in the, the coffee shop and the angels sing, and you just look up, and it's like, oh, you know, and you're like, there he is, you know, and he's amazing and handsome and godly, and he loves Jesus and all the things, right? I get it. Some of you are waiting for that girl to come along in your life. Like, like there are a lot of things we wait for. Sometimes a lot of life just feels like waiting, doesn't it? Just waiting. I can show you my prayer list from this last year. And it's a lot of things I've prayed for dozens and dozens of times. And I'm still waiting. And I believe God's answering. I just haven't seen it yet. And I'm not saying he's going to say yes, but I'm praying. I just keep bringing it to him. Bible says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking, right? So I want to keep doing that. But I'm waiting. And Romans chapter 5, verse 8 reminds us, that, as Paul goes on, that God's actually, gone. while we're waiting, we got to remember he's already gone ahead of us. Look at this. Romans chapter 5, beginning of verse 8, says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, what? While we were still sinners. Later he calls us enemies. While we were sinners and enemies of God, he sent Christ to die for us. In other words, God went ahead of us. He went before us. He made the way through his life, his death, his resurrection. And God is already working. And listen, he's working while we're waiting. In fact, in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament, the word wait, the word hope, and the word trust are the same word. Check it out. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. 
one of my favorite verses from the Old Testament. It says, but those who, what, trust in the Lord will find new strength. Could be translated, some translations do translate it this way. Those who wait in the Lord will renew their strength. Or you may have read translations that say, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Same word, trust, wait, hope. They will renew their strength. Some of you, you came to church, you're tired, you're worn out right now. You, you're just like, God, give me something. Listen, you want new strength, you gotta wait, and not just wait, you gotta trust, you gotta hope in the Lord. He'll renew your strength. Then it says they'll soar on wings like eagles, they'll run and not grow weary, they will walk and not faint. And that's kind of amazing because he basically breaks this down in such a way that, that when we wait on God, that we can get strength in three different situations in our life. Soaring, running, and walking, right? First of all, soaring. Sometimes in life, you soar. Scientists will tell you that there are birds and they, and they fly in different ways. There's chicken and there's quail and, and they just sort of flap around, right? It's not pretty, but it gets it done. Not very graceful. Others glide through the air like pigeons and doves, and they drop their little mess in your yard. But there are birds, a few of them, like the eagle. And the eagle can reach such heights that they soar on the updrafts of thermal air. They've been clocked at 70 miles an hour, flying effortlessly through the air. They're soaring. That's how life with God can be sometimes. Look, sometimes you wait on him, you trust him, and everything just lines up. Everything feels like it's right. You get maximum results for minimum effort. You hit new heights, you soar. And some of you may be in a soaring phase right now in your life. You're soaring, God's blessing you. He's moving in your life. You don't even know why. Like you stop to pray and all you know to say is like, thank you. People ask you how you're doing and you're like, better than I deserve. I don't know, I don't understand it. I'm just soaring right now. If you're soaring right now, I wanna say we're cheering you on, and we're thrilled for you, and we don't hold that against you, and you should celebrate it. Sometimes people, when they're sore, and they're like, oh, don't tell anybody. You know, don't tell anybody. Things are, how are you? I'm, I'm barely hanging on. Man, we ought to be like, I'm, you know, if you're good, make a noise. Let somebody know, like, God's been good. He's moving. He's working. It's, it's good. I'm soaring right now. I hope and pray we all soar. But here's what I know and what I get from the testimony of Paul and others in the Bible. If you're soaring right now, there will come a day when you'll be in another season. Because we don't all soar forever, not till heaven. Sometimes we just run. Some of you are in a season where you're running. <laughs> Say, man, I'm not really soaring. I'm just, I'm just running. You can hardly keep up. There's so much going on and coming at you. You can barely keep it all straight. You're waiting on God, you're trusting him, you're running, and the Bible says the promise is you won't grow weary. You'll be able to keep pounding it out. You'll be able to keep going. You'll have the energy you need when you need it. You'll have the money you need when you need it. You'll have the inspiration you need when you need it. You may not get more than you need, but God will show up with what you need in the moment. You're running. And if you're running, my encouragement to you is keep going. Right, just keep running. Just stay focused. Keep praying, keep waiting, keep trusting, keep believing. Believe that God is moving in your mess. Believe that no matter what you're facing, God isn't distant, that he's in the middle of it. Believe that while you're waiting, he is working. And someday, that's gonna mean you're gonna get some lift off and you're gonna soar. You just keep running.
Some of you right now, you're in a season where you say, man, I'm not soaring, I'm not, I'm not running, <laughs> I'm walking, and it, it ain't good. It's just a one foot in front of the other. It takes everything I have to keep going. It's heavy. The days are long. It's all you can do to just keep going. The promise is here. You wait on the Lord. You'll walk, but you won't faint. Right? It may be hard. You may feel like you're going to faint. You may feel like you're going down, but you won't go down. You won't crash and burn. You, you'll get through it. You'll listen. You will laugh again. You'll run again. You'll soar again because God is working while you're waiting. You got to put your trust in him. You got to hope in him. And that hope won't disappoint. And if you're soaring right now, there'll be another season where you're running. And if you're running right now, there'll be seasons where you're soaring. Seasons where all you can do is walk. You live long enough, you'll live through all three seasons. But I believe, as Paul says, we'll see God faithful in every season we're in. And that's why the church is so important. When you're soaring, you need people to celebrate with, that you don't have to be ashamed to celebrate with, because God's blessed you in your life. When you're running, you need people to keep pace with you and tell you, hey, let's keep going, let's keep pushing, let's push one another to keep going. When you're walking, sometimes you need somebody to come alongside you and say, hey, man, put your arm around me. I got you. Let's walk together, one step in front of the other. We need each other, man. We live in a world where people pull in their driveways and they close their garage door before they get out of their car. Come on. We live in a world where we're all around each other, but so few of us actually know one another. And that's why the church is so important. This is where we come together to soar, to run, to walk, and to wait on the Lord, to hope in him, to trust in him, to realize he's not removed from what we're facing, but he's moving in what we're facing. Listen, one day in eternity, I believe you and I will see. We'll see that God was there the whole time. We'll see that, that, that he was moving, that his timing was right, that his love was constant, that his will wasn't subverted, that he opened the best doors, that he protected you from things that you couldn't even see, that he went ahead of you, that he was behind you, that he was below you, beside you, that he was faithful, wise, and good, that he delivered on his promises, even in the moments when you and I couldn't see it. And until then, we just keep going. Our assumptions can maximize our stress or they can minimize our stress and help us manage it. In fact, I love what the psalmist said that we read. He said, I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. He says, I'll put my focus on you, God. I'll remember who you are. Listen, when you feel like God doesn't care, remember Psalm 34, 18. It says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Listen, when you feel like God is distant, remember Zephaniah 3.17, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is mighty Savior, and he will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he'll calm all your fears. Listen, he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. 
When you feel like your troubles are going to wreck your life and ruin your future, remember Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. When you feel like God doesn't care, remember 1 Peter 5, 7. God, give all, all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. He cares. When you feel alone and confused, remember Deuteronomy 31.8. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Listen, stress isn't just what happens to me. It's also about what I'm assuming. It's about what's going on within me. And if I believe God's moving even in my mess, if I believe that God is close even when he may feel distant and I'm discouraged, if I believe that he's working even while I'm waiting, I'm more positioned to handle the stress that comes into my life and to believe it will lead to ultimately endurance. Endurance will lead to character and character will lead to hope. God is in the middle of the stuff. So this week, maybe check your assumptions. Paul had to learn to see these things differently. And he says he learned, last week we looked at it, he learned to rely on God at a whole other level. So can we in our lives. Maybe you're here today and maybe you sense God has been tapping you on the shoulder. Maybe he's been calling you to come home to him. I'd love to give you that opportunity. If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, if you'd like to make that spiritual commitment in your life, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer. You can either say it out loud or just in your own heart and mind to just commit your life to God. And so I want to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can begin that journey today by just repeating after me, just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. And help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me. Just to say before God, to say to me, you're going to trust him and follow him in your life today. God bless you guys. Thank you. Just reach out to him today. Trust him in your life. Thank you guys. God, I thank you for each person just reaching out to you today. I pray you just fill their life with your peace, their, your joy, your goodness. May we all experience more peace as we follow you and as we trust you, as we commit our lives to you. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.